Hello, Sarikum. You are listening to Converts in Conversation. I am Zara, and with me today I have Jody and Almas. Say salam. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Today we are going to be talking about a topic that some people might find a little bit emotional, maybe it's sensitive, but I think we have to absolutely start it off by saying zero judgment everybody's journey is their own everybody's struggles are their own and we all have to just support each other and understand each other and not judge each other with that so the discussion we're having today is on our connection and love um, for the prophet now as converts I don't know about anybody listening and obviously we'll hear from Jodie and Almas in a second but as converts sometimes the concept of loving someone that you've only just heard of as an adult um, and have never met obviously might be a little bit difficult and I know that when I first converted and I've said it in previous shows that it wasn't the Quran necessarily that connected me it was stories of the prophet and hearing about him and that drew me in and made me have a love for islam i'm not sure at that stage i would have said that i loved him particularly um and that has been a long struggle and journey for me that i'm still on really jody and almas who wants to jump in what do you, what's your guys experience at the start almas yeah so um I think when I first was learning about Islam and obviously when, not obviously, but when I was learning about Islam, I was, I was looking at the persona of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. And, um, and it was just, it sounds awful, I know, but like we say, no judgment. It did sound like just stories to me and they were really lovely stories and I really liked them. And I, and I used to think, oh, this, this just sounds like such a lovely community. Everybody loved each other. Uh, I guess because I was kind of glossing over the battles, I wasn't really into battles, so I was just kind of looking at the interpersonal relationships between the companions and the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, and how he was like a father figure to them and, and teaching them. And, I, and it was just all that kind of like really sounded very comfy, very rosy way of being educated as a Muslim by someone who was actually getting divine revelation. I thought, wow, you just can't get better than that. But at the same time, I would say that I loved the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. But I think that's because I thought that's what you did say as a Muslim. I didn't really, to be fair, I didn't really t think very deeply about did I really love him until I came across, um, I think it was a narration of uh, the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, about how loving him more than you loved your own parents and that really kind of like that made me kind of just sit up and think I don't really understand that how does that work because I really love my parents but I didn't know I'd never met the prophet Muhammad and although he sounded like an absolutely amazing person I, I didn't have that emotional connection to him um, and I, I didn't really see how I was going to further that so I think I really just shelved it. I, I decided that I wasn't really going to think too deeply about it. But to be fair, that that is definitely Almas. She kind of does tend to shelve stuff that she doesn't want to think about and just says, right, I'll come back to that. I'll just, just carry on living my life. Um, and when I feel like I can handle something, then I'll take it off the shelf and look at it. And, and that happened later on. But I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss that. But Jodie, was there something that you wanted to say about that? So the first thing um, for me my journey to Islam was kind of 
the profit didn't come into it at all for me. Um, and I think it, it may have been because I've come from an atheist background where I believed in absolutely nothing. So for me, it was I was discovering God. And that was my big journey in discovering my relationship with God because I had no concept of that. So for me, reading through the Quran when I was thinking about converting it and after I converted, it was kind of like, oh, there's this talk of this prophet. And he must have been very important, you know, for, for a last one or two to think, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you um, all this revelation. There was no sort of like emotional connection at that point because I was still building my emotional connection to Allah. That kind of where I've come from. I was just trying to look up a hadith that got me thinking because I think for me, my journey with Islam is sort of parallel with my journey of being a therapist because literally I started both journeys two weeks apart. So for me, they're totally entwined. And the hadith I'm thinking of, and I cannot find it for life from me, Google is not being my friend today, was about um, one of the Sahaba was asked by the Prophet, peace be upon him, to recite a surah. And I think it was Anisa, but it might not have been. So don't quote me on it. Um, but he started to recite and he looked over at the prophet and he was crying. And I think for me, it was seeing that the prophet is human, but also full of compassion and full of empathy. Um, he wasn't a, from my understanding anyway, the way that I built my relationship with him. He wasn't sort of, um, I am mightier than thou. And, you know, you need to do what I say. It was, he was appealing to people's compassion and humanity. And I think as a therapist, I admire him essentially as like um, like the therapist archetype, the therapist blueprint that I want to be as, as a therapist. And I think that's how my relationship has unfolded over the years and is still unfolding, really. So the other thing I wanted to add was the idea of, you know, the prophet, peace be upon him, not being the only prophet. And when I converted, I was kind of introduced to him as, the most important one like the others weren't important and I think that really put me off so I've actually probably read more about the other prophets from an Islamic perspective because I kind of knew them from school and things like that from a kind of Christian centric perspective um, so I've probably read more about the other prophets than I have about the prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and it was almost like this rebellion of well you know you've told me that he's the most important and the others aren't well the others must be important because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent them um, so I think that's again it's this um, it can be a real barrier to relating to him depending on how you were introduced to him as an adult um, and I think that's the very unique position of converts for me, that just struck a chord when he said about the compassion and the way he was as a person. And I think when we first convert, we're told obviously that part of it is that you have to believe about the Prophet It's not necessary. I don't think the word love is in there, certainly in, I don't remember it being mentioned initially. And then when I converted the circle I was in or the community, the immediate community I was in, had this like it was as if the prophet was more the most important thing and i think for me having come from catholicism into islam i was hyper aware um, and sensitive to not idolizing the prophet um in the way that jesus like the catholicism um version of jesus um is um peace be upon him and I think when they started talking about 
how they felt about the Prophet and at one point there was a visitor to a neighbouring house near where I was living at the time and they had a piece of the Prophet hair apparently. In the first instance I thought doubt it mate and <laughs> aside from that I was thinking and so what? Like even if that was possible and I'm not even going to get into all the ways in which it's not but even if that was possible why is that important why would I have an attachment but they were obsessed and they were outraged that I didn't want to go running down the street in some house to stroke some piece of hair which again if that had been stroked for this many years the likelihood of it's gross but they did and it was this infatuation kind of thing and they didn't seem to know him they couldn't tell me any store any background to this or why or where it was that we were supposed to worship something that if it was found of his and I just found it a really strange love and it didn't feel it, it never sat right with me and then in that same immediate community they had a belief system which some of you may have heard of before where they don't actually believe that the prophet was just an ordinary man they believe he was made from light and that confused the hell out of me at the time because it went against everything that I'd been reading and so I went I accepted a mini challenge where I went through the Quran and highlighted and tabbed every single reference to, <laughs> to Muhammad and where it was saying that he was a man where it there was a reference to light but it wasn't that he was light and I highlighted all of it and in doing that that's where my admiration and our love came for him. But still to actually say, I love him, um, it just doesn't roll off the tongue. Does any of that make any sense, Jodie? It really does. And so one, I found the Hadith. Um, so I'll just run through it very, very quickly. I've been sat here Googling as you've been talking, but obviously listening as well. Um, so the Prophet said to me, recite the Quran to me. I said, O Messenger of Allah, shall I recite the Quran to you when it has been revealed to you? He replied, I love to hear it recited by others. So I recited to him a portion from the chapter An-Nisa. When I reached the verse, which means how will it be then when we bring from each nation a witness and we bring you, O Muhammad, as a witness against these people? So that's um, chapter 4, 41. He said, enough for now. When I looked at him, I saw his eyes were shedding tears. And that, that's the hadith that popped in my head. So back to the, this, I suppose, idolization. I don't want to say idolatry because that's a different subject matter, possibly, and debate, etc. But I think the first time I was introduced to the concept of making dua was I'd prayed with someone they said oh you know we may need to make dua after salah and I was like oh okay so the first thing you need to do is pray to the prophet and I was like well, what 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 do you mean well you need to send salams to him I'm like okay yeah that, that makes sense yeah and then you need to make a prayer to him I was like do you mean to God for him no to him and I was like what because I'd looked into Christianity and lots of different religions on my journey as a sort of agnostic atheist and the one thing that really put me off the other religions was I'm not praying to a man. That 
that is not what my religion is about. That is not who I am subservient to. I'm subservient to God and that is it. So for me, it was almost like a sort of reaction to that. that I went, you know what? I'm just, I'm just not going to read anything about him. I'm just not going to focus on this relationship. I'm just going to focus on God because there's too many dodgy grey areas that I don't even want to go into. So it's almost like I became a little bit phobic of it all, like the whole journey. And I think it is my journey as a therapist that's helped me overcome that to sort of go, actually, I really admire him as a man, um, as a compassionate person, as someone who was essentially an informal therapist to everybody. You know, it, we know how traumatic conversion can be have that life-changing belief life-changing lifestyle um, and he supported so many people through that so I think for me it's, again it's that he him being a therapist comes back to me rather than him being some sort of divinity which sat really uncomfortable with me on us so I think as you were talking Jodie I was thinking about how did and also Zahra I was thinking about how did I decide to take the whole subjects of the prophet Muhammad peace and blessed be upon him off the shelf put it in front of me and have a look at it and um, with most things I tend to be a person who doesn't do stuff unless I have to um, and I was attending a group um, lovely ladies um, I used to sit and listen to their talks and I sometimes used to give talks there too and then they were putting a next year's program together of talks that they wanted to deliver at this group and they wanted to cover the Sira and they asked if I would take that on and and I said yes, despite myself, because prior to that, when I tried to look into the life of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and even, even something that's going to do some, you know, somewhat justice to his life is still going to be a, a good kind of 600 pages long or something. And I'd get as far as the first battle, I'd get to the Battle of Badr and I'd say, oh, this is getting really a bit confusing now. I think I better just leave it for a bit. Then a whole year would go by. I'd come back to it and think, I really do need to read about him. I'd get as far as the Battle of Badr again. And this would just go on a kind of rolling circle. It would just keep going. So when they asked me to give these talks, I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to get past the Battle of Badr to do this. So I thought, right, okay, I'll take it on. And that's when I started to sort of research the life of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu because I felt, as with most things, I don't like to go into the arena with with no backing. So I needed to kind of know something about him if I was gonna give talks about him. And initially, you know, cause I, I've, I've given talks now about the Prophet Muhammad son for about 15 years. So at the initial run through, I would go through one set of uh, books and then I'd go through another set of books for the next year because every year I, I would try and read something new or try and listen to something new. And I think those layers of of experiences that I had listening to his life, reading about his life, made me realize really and truly what an awesome person he was, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because the amount of rubbish that he had to handle, and yet he was still so, like Jody said, compassionate and loving and forgiving with people. I actually thought to myself, I can't see how that's possible for a normal human being. Definitely, definitely he was a human being. I'm definitely not ascribing to anything else. But at the same time, I thought, I can see why the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the ultimate role model. And now, definitely, if somebody says to me, who is your role model? I will say the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because without a doubt, when I look at his life, I think, oh gosh, I'd like to be that forgiving. I'd like to be that kind. Um, and so that's why 
I can say, yes, I love him, but do I love him more than my parents? I think it's a different kind of love. And actually I did hear something about the explanation of that hadith about saying, well, it doesn't mean, do you love him more than your own parents? It means that if your parents were doing something dodgy that the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu advised you not to do, would you follow your parents on that dodgy path? Or would you say, no, actually, this is not what the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu came to guide us towards because he only came to guide us to that which pleases Allah. So yeah, I can say now that I love him. Zahra, did you want to say something? Yeah, I think that's probably the best way that I can reconcile it in my head as well, is that it's not the same kind of love. Like if I even compare sort of other family members to parents, to friends, to my cat who's currently flying around the living room, if I can see him distracted, um, it's a different kind of love for each of them. And I'm quite a practical person I'm not really a holistic kind of person and I think when it came to tackling Islam and how to and how to implement it in my life sorry about the jingle in the background crazy cat um it it was looking at the Prophet and how he tackled issues and how he tackled situations I was like okay that's a practical thing that I can follow that's something that I can look at um and adopt in my life and it's where I go to for my examples and like you say Almas he is my ultimate role model and he's the one that when I'm in a situation I think not what would Kanye do what would Muhammad Sallallahu do <laughs> because it's you no know, life is full of struggles and I think those whole you know we've mentioned it before the whole um Charlie Hebdo thing and every situation like that it's really easy to get triggered um and get super annoyed about it and super frustrated and lash out either keyboard warriors or whatever and then I just take a minute and think actually how would the prophet deal with this and then look back at examples of it and I think that is a very different kind of love than I'm ever used to having for anybody. Because even when I was a Catholic, I can't honestly say that I loved Jesus in the same way because there was the whole Jesus is the son of God situation that never sat right with me. And so that created a barrier there. And so this kind of love of someone that you've never met before, but was just a man, but the best of men, that's a whole new concept. And especially when you start trying to form that bond as an adult, um, it can be difficult, Jodie. I think um, for me, and Almas probably knows this better, but as far as I'm aware, in terms of Arabic, there's like tons of different words for love. And in English, we have one. Um, and I think there's this thing of English is quite a, a limited language. So some of these um, translations and things will not translate in the same way to us as people. And, you know, I can sound out Arabic now, thanks to Almas, but I can't read it. You know, I, I'm relying on English translations and I think that that can create, you know, quite a big barrier. And again, I feel like I'm harping on about compassion, but it's probably because I'm doing some training on compassion at the moment. But I think for me, compassion isn't just a kindness it's being able to turn towards suffering and do something about it. There's an element of justice in there and righteousness. And I think for me, the prophet, peace be upon him, is very much, um, again, an archetypal sort of uh, example of 
how humanity can strive towards having this real balance of turning towards suffering, but actually doing something about it, not just going there, there, sorry, you're going through that, that must be hard, but actually doing something about it and upholding you know, the, the God-given laws that we're, we've been passed down on us. So I was just thinking that some of the talks that I've given about the Prophet Muhammad, I usually start off in a certain way. And every time I do this, it always, it fills my heart with love because I usually say to people, if I gave each and every single one of you a piece of paper, doesn't matter where you are in the world, what culture you come from, and you had to write a list of good characteristics, you know, what kind of good characteristics a person could have, kindness, generosity, forgiveness, um, tolerance, you know, what, whatever it is, you write a list. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, had every single one of them. Now, we can think to ourselves that I might be kind, but, you know, I'm a little bit impatient or, you know, I might be generous, but um, I can get a bit cranky sometimes. The Prophet Muhammad, literally in every single scenario, always behaved so impe impeccably that I think for me, that was the, the real connection. I just thought, I, I, want, I want to try and be the best person that I can be. I want to be somebody that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God loves. And I know that he loves the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. And rightly so, because look at all the amazing qualities that he has. So I sometimes sit and think about all the different good qualities that a person can have, recognize that they are there, in the Prophet Muhammad and then I try and find incidents in his life where that has played out and I try and use that as a personal kind of rule book for myself to think okay well I might be frustrated because this person is behaving like this with me but when that has happened for the Prophet Muhammad how did he behave so I don't know if that if that rings any bells with anybody Jody. I feel like I've just had a penny drop. I think as converts, we, we have a lot of pressure very early on. You must love the prophet. You must love the prophet. And I think that's hard. Like Zara said, you know, when you're an adult and you've never known about someone, didn't even know he existed in, in my case, um, and then stumbled upon Islam and went, oh, there's, there's this new prophet. What's, what's he all about? It's hard to love that. Well, actually... If we think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and every blessing he gives us, we, we love all those blessings. We love the breath that he gives us, the heartbeat that he gives us, every cell that works because of, you know, the perfection in the balance that makes our bodies work. The prophet, peace be upon him, is an example of what humanity can be and the characteristics we can live to and embody. And actually, that's a huge blessing. So if we love all the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, by extension, we must love the prophet. And it's not necessarily, you know, that, that relationship with him builds over time. That can take years and years and years, and that's fine. But actually to acknowledge that he's a huge blessing to us, that, that is a love in itself. And again, it's, I suppose for me, for me, it is this limitation in the English language of I, I love him and I love him, and they're two different things, and they can be two different journeys. And that, that's okay. It's just English is a bit, yeah, it's not the most poetic of languages. And I've studied poetry. I'm not a fan of English poetry. It's awful. I'm just going to put that out there and it's the hill I will die on. <laughs> so it, it's, I suppose it's this thing of reflecting on love can come in very, very different forms um, and those journeys can look like very different journeys. But as long as we acknowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us and therefore gives us blessings, whether they're hardships or trials or good things, you know, strangers, the affair of the believer, there's good stuff in all of that th those things. So 
if we can love the blessings, then by extension, we do we do love the Prophet. Also, you mentioned that Allah loves um, the Prophet and I think there's also that thing of him being the perfect example and that we all strive for Allah to be pleased with us and to love us. And there's no doubt that he does love us, but to love us like that um, really requires some input from us. Um, and rather than us sort of flailing about trying to find, well, how do we achieve that kind of, what do I have to do? Ta-da! Here is the perfect example, living, walking, breathing, tested to the absolute max. Um, and I think that's one of those things that people say, oh, well, the people that I, when I was around when I was first converted, through that because you know he was made of light and he's one of the best of people and it's like no man he was just a guy the best of humanity the best guy there is but if he can go through it if he can endure that having not had him as an example before before him like he didn't have anyone to, to reassure him um that actually God doesn't take you to something that you can't get you through and that there's nothing that you can't, no test that you can't endure. Um, he didn't have that example and yet he didn't waver. He still fought on and struggled on. Um, and so, yeah, we are definitely blessed and love that. But even now, having discussed this, I'm still struggling to say the words, I love him. It's funny, isn't it? Don't be funny, haha. Obviously, I think we're probably ready to go for a break now. Um, so we will be back in a few minutes. Thank you very much. Sanaikum. Sanaikum, you are back with Converting Conversation. It's me, Zara, Jody, and Almas talking about connecting and our relationships with the Prophet. So, in this final bit, we were just going to run through some final thoughts, really, to close up. Uh, Jody, did you want to start us off? I think the thing I wanted to touch on is self criticism, because I think when we're, we're going through our convert journey, we get lots of uh, well meaning, I put air quotes around. Well-meaning advice and unsolicited advice sometimes, and that's all fine. But I think we can also, when we think we should be doing something or we can't do it, but it's something that we see as like a, a mandatory thing, self-criticism can really get in the way. Often we criticise ourselves to try and motivate ourselves because we've got certain beliefs around that and that's fine. Um, but essentially that's, if we think about Islamic psychology, nafs, like, so that's like, like the automatic thoughts that run through our heads kind of thing and there's different levels of it the prophet peace be upon him was an absolute master at nafs you know we, all humans we all have them and clearly he was so emotionally intelligent he managed them really well but i think if we get caught up in the self-criticism of i should be doing this and i can't do this what a terrible muslim i am we block our paths in terms of that journey and then we get stuck then our self-critic gets even more ammo to throw at us so i think it's it's that case of again with compassion acknowledging the suffering that you're going through so self-critics being really loud and just acknowledging that and then doing something about it rather than let it beat you down rather than shaitan you know let him get his two penneth in 
rather than any of that, turn towards the supper and go, okay, what's actually going on for me? What, what do I need? Well, maybe I need, you know, a cup of tea and a slice of cake, because you know what's on my mind, slice of cake, and then I'm going to sit down with this, this Sarah book, or I'm going to listen to a podcast or whatever it is, but make it accessible to you because that self-critic will look for ammo to, to throw against you. So I suppose that's, you know, just the self-criticism I wanted to highlight, because I think it is a really common issue. Almas. Jodie, because that is just so important. And I think I've, I've come across that um, in my own experiences supporting the convert community. I remember specifically there was one sister who was absolutely di- distraught one Ramadan because she felt she just couldn't connect with the Quran. And knowing that Ramadan was the month of the Quran, she literally she was thinking she must be the worst Muslim ever because you know it's the month of the Quran everyone says what an amazing month is it, it is and she just can't connect with it and she was in absolute tears and and we talked it through and it wasn't it wasn't that she didn't want to it was that she felt that there was some sort of barrier blocking between her and understanding who Allah was so instead we decided that she was going to look at the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Ramadan and she said that that had been amazing through that she was able to then ready herself to accept coming to the Quran and really I guess the point I wanted to make was very similar to what Jody has explained that if you can if you are overly critical of yourself you will put such barriers in your way that it will kind of analysis paralysis you won't you won't be able to move forward and Yes, you might want to know about the Prophet Muhammad, you might want to understand who he is and what an amazing person he is, because that's what you keep hearing about. But maybe the path that you've chosen to do that isn't the one that's going to be the best for you. So sometimes take a step back and think, okay, I feel like I'm banging my head against a brick wall. I don't think I'm doing this with my emotional self. I'm doing this because I feel I have to. And like Jodie was saying, when you when you feel that, you do get this kind of resentment, especially to, it can even get to the point where you know that you have to say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after you hear the Prophet Muhammad's name. And that can get difficult as well. You kind of think, mm, why do I have to say it? You know, I don't even know him. Um, and that can be difficult. So take a step back and think to yourself, OK, I'm going to I'm just going to have a look at something else in Islam, because Islam is such a broad table of so many delicious foods that you can just kind of take a little bite out of. Do that for yourself rather than say, no, I will do this. Because when you get adamant about something that isn't maybe at the best time in your life for, for, for doing that, then you, you put up a barrier for life almost. And it may be that, like we were talking, we were talking with each other after we'd kind of finished the first session of recording. And Zahra was mentioning that the Sira as a book, if you went to it, whew, you need a few stacks of slices of cake, you know, because it, it sometimes can be a difficult read. So I found that for myself when I was first starting, especially the the, the first book on Sira that I was recommended. It had won prizes. It was the best one that was out there. And I looked at it and went, this is all a list of names. I don't know who these people are. Um, and I can't really connect with this. So again, me being me, I shelved it, literally, bought another book that was supposed to be a little bit more emotional. And I found that I connected with it that way. And then the whole kind of YouTube podcasting thing opened up. And I find that I attach myself to the Prophet Muhammad through hearing beautiful, heart-moving stories about him. 
literally hearing them. So that's why I listen to a lot of talks about the Prophet Muhammad. And even then, there's a whole range that you can listen to. Some are very, very academic in their style. Some are very emotional in their style. And you just have to kind of play around and see which one fits for you. And I think that's how the journey of everybody's Islam should be. It is individual. You tailor make it to yourself. You don't say, okay, I'm a firm believer in one size doesn't fit all. I do that in my life in so many different ways. And I think we have to understand that as a reality and accept it and, and be kind to ourselves with that. Zahra, was there something you wanted to say? Yeah, I just want to echo everything that both of you said, you know, taking your time, not putting a pressure on yourself, don't judge yourself, don't let you feel judged by others either, you know, when they're talking about how much they love the Prophet don't feel like they sh they have the right to judge you if you, you're maybe not there yet, everybody is at different stages of this whole journey even for even for heritage muslim born muslims doesn't necessarily mean that they're leaps and bounds ahead either and they maybe have been born and brought up since being very young with this idea in their head of love for the prophet in the same way that they love allah and that might already be ingrained in them so they may not understand where we're coming from in that slowness to develop that connection I suppose um and I would say just find like you were saying Almas you prefer to listen I prefer to listen I definitely love to hear stories about his compassion his mercy about when you listen to stories about how other people felt about him how other people had experiences with the Prophet and there are also quite a few nasheeds, I think I mentioned earlier, um, where they focus on specific characteristics. And if you're someone who connects with music and you're trying to come away from sort of mainstream music, I think to try and listen to music where it's talking about the Prophet and his characteristics, you can get versions that, are in, that don't have instruments in the background where it's voice only. Just depends again, what your preference is and where you're up to in your journey. Um, but there are some, I think Native Dean is the group that have done some really nice ones about the Prophet about small deeds, you know, about moving rocks or bricks from the road and picking litter up and doing something for your neighbor who's maybe not particularly kind to you and all these little things. And they're things that, you know, it's not bad to get that tune stuck in your head a little bit if you're just constantly remembering the good things. And just little things like that, just be kind to yourself about how you connect and take your time and try different things. It is a learning curve for all of us to try and this concept of loving someone new as an adult that you've not physically met. It's, and Jody, I would have never even thought of that, but English is so basic in <laughs> its language. And you're absolutely right. I would actually love to understand the, the richness of the Arabic word love. And maybe that's what I'll do this afternoon while I'm cooking, have a bit of a listen and a read about all the different ways that love um, can be described in Arabic instead of basic English. <laughs> That's everything from us for this week. Jazakallah khair for listening. And inshallah, we will be back with you next week. Assalamu alaikum.